Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Acts and the works of Jesus through his church and his kingdom. I'm Vanessa Hawkins, and joining Amber Barrett and me in conversation today are Margie Betts and Sarah Loki. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. So good to have you here. So you two, I hear, have a bit of a special friendship born out of a shared ministry. Tell me a little about that. Well, Sarah will tell us a little bit about the shared ministry, but she's been a neighbor of mine for many years, and I have a Bible study in our home, and Sarah is a part of that now, and we are sisters in Christ. That's right, Margie. Love it. Love it. So as is our custom, we start with our first things first question. So as you answer the first things first question, would you tell us a little bit about yourselves? So the question is, what is one of the first stories you remember loving as a child? Well, I have both a biblical answer to this and just a fun answer. My name is Sarah Loki, as Margie said, and I am entering the middle age phase of my life. I'm married and to my wonderful husband for 15 years now, but we've been together for 22. So most of our lives, Um, we have one beautiful daughter, Morgan, who will be 11 next month. I am a musician and passionate about cycling and being outdoors, all things outdoors. And my favorite Bible study as a child, Bible story as a child, was the story of Moses and the bulrushes. My mom would read this to me all the time. And I was fascinated by the fact that a child would be hidden in a basket in a river. And that of all people who found the baby, it was the Um, Queen of Egypt. So I was just fascinated by that story. And then my other most favorite story as a child was Alice in Wonderland. Oh, good one. That is a good one. That is good. Well, my mother was a story. So um, I'm Margie Betts, and I'm married to Jean Betts. We've been married for almost 15 years, if you can believe that. Um, But When I hear about my favorite story, my mom wasn't a storyteller. She was a living story to me. She had a great sense of humor, and a lot of her personality was in provision. Like, for example, uh, when I wanted her to tell me a story and I was going to bed, she'd say, okay, there was a little girl who needed to go to sleep. Okay, good night. (laughs) That was her story. The end. Yes, the end. (laughs) But she used to sing us a song, and in that song, I won't, you know, I know the song, but I'm not going to sing it. Um, I think the whole purpose of this song that she sang to us very often made me cry a lot, and my sisters as well, but it was about a little boy who was rejected by other little boys, and um, she tried to tell her son how to play by himself and not look to what they wanted in life, and eventually that little boy died, and we would cry so much, but I think what my mom was trying to tell us, because she loved to see me cry, And I'd ask her that, and she said, I want to see your heart. I want you to be compassionate about about people who are on the outside Mm. and to let them in. And that that stuck with me for all these years. Wow. That's pretty cool, Margie. Mm. 
I don't know. I think as a as a little girl, I definitely liked all the Cinderella. I liked, you know, princess stories. I liked the damsel in distress and the rescue and all of that. Um, but I also, I can remember one of my little, I can't remember the name of that little series of books, but it was a little one of those little hard red ribbon, blue ribbon, red ribbon mm-hmm. books. I know what you're yeah, talking about, yeah. The little engine that could. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. always liked the tenacity and the perseverance mm-hmm. of I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I'm remembering those books when you say that. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but what's the one about the puppy? The little puppy that goes off and he, his mama calls him forever and he, she, he comes back and drinks his big bowl of milk. Anybody? Oh, no. wow. I There's be- something about a puppy. Anyway, he was in a hardback book, one of those. Yeah, I love that series of books. Yeah, I loved them. So many of them. Well, I thought about Go Dog Go. I don't know why I liked Go Dog Go, but it was just kind of funny. Do you remember Go Dog no. Go? And they would go all these various places, and it was all these dogs. They go up a tree and to a lake, and anyway. Mm-hmm. And Are You My Mother? I love oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Are You My yeah. Mother? Is, cool. is classic. And then I liked poetry by Shel Silverstein. So he had mm-hmm. just a lot of crazy, uh, fun poetry. But, you know, I think with, with all of our stories, one of the things that is similar is that there's something that captures your heart, mm-hmm. right? Your mama wanted to see yeah. your heart. And we remember these stories because they say something to us. You were amazed that a little baby, Sarah, you know, mm-hmm. could be found just so happens, you know, by right. the queen of Egypt. And, and something in you as a child says, wow, there's there's something there. There's something miraculous. There's something I want to know. I want to understand. I want to go deeper in. And in my heart. So a good story draws us in immediately because it does capture our attention and it speaks to our hearts. And the best stories have something worthwhile to say, something valuable to offer our hearts. And the best story, the story of the gospel, offers us the one thing our hearts need most. In our passage for today, we are going to find the Apostle Paul at the beginning of his first missionary journey in which he will take to offer the official gospel, or to officially offer, I should say, the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul has a story to tell, and in Acts 13, 13 through 52, we find him doing exactly that. He is telling the story of God's salvation from God's own word. Listeners, if you haven't read these verses, we do encourage you to hit the pause button, read them now, ask yourselves, what is the main point of Paul's story? And if you have read these verses and spent some time thinking about them, you will recognize that you've heard this story told in different ways, but with the same themes several other times in Acts. The beauty of the gospel story is that it speaks of God choosing a people, rescuing a people from sin, and making them his own, not by their might or by their merit, but by his. This gospel story is the overarching story of the entire Bible. Paul makes this clear in this passage as he uses the Old Testament accounts of a promised Savior to glorify the work of Jesus Christ. The main point of the gospel story is Jesus, and through Jesus, Paul says, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. So forgiveness of sins and the righteousness that comes as a result is the central promise of the gospel, is the central promise of this wonderful story. You know, Vanessa, as you were reading Paul in his presentation of the gospel, what stuck out to you? I think what stuck out to me is what's in every good story and is you gravitate towards the the hero and the the hero of this story that Paul is telling the people um, is, is God. 
and it is is him and is his love for his people and it's him wooing a people and it's him drawing them to himself and i love that when paul is asked to encourage the people that that's exactly where he goes yeah he goes straight to the gospel he goes to this is what your great god has done on your behalf and then this is what he has done throughout the years this is how he has rescued you from slavery and this is how he has brought you to himself this is how um, I've told, you know, of Christ's coming in Scripture, and he, and he corroborates it with passages from the Psalms. You are my son. And, and he shows that this story isn't one that is happenstance, but it is one that has been in the heart and the mind of God for all eternity, and, and that it is just now unfolding this part of it before them. That you are to be my witnesses to to other people about this story about Christ being raised from the dead and so of the resurrection and so I I just love that when Paul is asked to encourage that's exactly where he goes that's, that's precisely where he goes he tells a story now this story isn't just a story but it's one that Paul has rested his faith in so Paul has made this faith his own and this story is life for him which is why he reaches for it when he is asked to offer encouragement so I want to ask you ladies what eventually prompted you to believe in Jesus Christ and and when did that faith become your very own well for me Vanessa uh, here are the facts I grew up in the church in a Christian home I was there every time the doors were open, mm-hmm. literally Wednesday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, anytime there was an activity at church, I was there. So I knew the gospel. I believed in Jesus Christ. I was confirmed in the church in third grade, um, but I didn't truly practice that belief as I matured and I eventually fell away from the church in Mm -hmm. college and ultimately I turned my back on God after my sister died in Mm -hmm. 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward 10 years to April of 2018 when a close family friend's six-year-old daughter was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. Mm And her father came to know Christ through their struggles and ultimately her death. Mm -hmm. Um, But during that whole journey, he chronicled his journey to Christ through her Caring Bridge page. Mm -hmm. And I was... I was just fascinated with it. I hung on to every word that he wrote, and I related so much to what he was writing. Um, And I decided ultimately that if he, through such an unimaginable tragedy, could be so upheld by Christ, why couldn't I? Wow. And so the very next day... um, I saw Margie in the road as I was leaving to go run an errand, and I just had this feeling that I was supposed to. She had been having Bible study at her house as long as I had lived across the street from her. And all the ladies would come and park in my driveway. And, you know, I was like, oh, great. Here are the Bible study ladies <laughs> again. You know, and, but that morning I saw her walking her dog and I stopped my car and rolled down the window and I said, hey, I'm Sarah from across the street. Do you still have that Bible study every week? And she said, yeah, I I do. I said, can I come? Mm. 
And she said, absolutely. We're about to start a new semester. I'll get a book for you. We meet at this time every Tuesday. Please join us. So I started attending the Bible study, and it was through God's studying God's Word in that Bible study that the facts and the faith finally truly came together for me. That is so powerful that you're um, the first situation was so hard for you and it drove you away and that the second would be a redemptive one that brought you back because you saw, um, well, one was filled with faith and one was uh, just pain without the faith. That is just amazing. That's so awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Don't you think it shows how good my evangelism is also? You know, that she it shows that you're a questionable neighbor, at least, because if you're blocking this lady's driveway, uh-huh. we should talk about that. Jeez, That'll be another Margie. podcast. Uh, it was intentional, Margie. She was to say it was intentional. Uh, yes. You grabbed their attention. Oh, it you... was an evangelistic tactic. tactic. Yes. Oh. Parking her driveway. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, Sarah. It's okay. <laughs> the Lord redeemed that, yes. too. Right. Yes, he does. He does do that. What about you, Margie? What about me? Uh, Many of you have heard my testimony, and um, it's interesting, as Sarah was running this out, I'm thinking to myself, it's very similar. Um, The facts are very close to what Sarah was just sharing, and that is that I grew up in church. It was a Lutheran church. I went to Sunday school, church every Sunday. Um, You know, I was in a lot of activities. The school I went to was a Christian school, but for me... um, there was something inside of me that the religion was teaching that I had to be a good girl. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was really trying hard to be. But by early day, I knew that I had already done something that God would not have approved of. So eventually I just you know, thought, it's going to be so hard to be a Christian. Um, but I stuck with it. And then when I was a senior in high school... My mother, who was such a lifeline to our family, passed away. And, um, you know, I had an alcoholic father, and that's who I was left with. He threw me out on the street shortly after that. And I just felt like God can't be good, and I can't be good, so I'm giving it up. So I gave it up for many, many years and ran probably as hard as I could, Uh, depended on myself for survival. And when you do that, you... um, make all kinds of mistakes Mm. and you know I was um, married and divorced by the age of 25 Um, left a wonderful man which I still um, have regrets for but God in his grace um, had me marry again I had my son Sean and I was about I guess 41 years old and a new neighbor Um, moved in next to me and she was very much like me very athletic and our kids went to the same school so we started walking and I noticed in the way she handled herself that she was she had something I did not and I was in a very liberal church and I said now that I know this I said awful ridiculous things but she never put me down she never corrected me she just always found it interesting and never met anybody like her and finally I said Jenny what is it about you Uh, and she said I don't think it's really me I think it's what you're hearing the Lord in me Mm -hmm. and so that's when she invited me to Bible study fellowship 
And I went, we were studying the book of John, which would have been so God to do that uh, because I had told them, this is kind of crazy, ladies, but it shows you my arrogance. I told these ladies in my little small group that I was only staying three weeks because my neighbor coerced me to come. So, you know, you seem like a lot of nice people, but I'll be out of here in three weeks. <laughs> and by the time the three weeks had come up, which I hadn't even noticed anymore, I was captivated by the word of God. So here comes the facts with the faith. And by John 4, the woman at the well, that was me. And I wept so hard during that lecture, realizing that Christ left his disciples, went to a foreign land, Samaria, to meet basically a woman who was um, ostracized by her town, had five husbands and was living with somebody who wasn't, I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, that is me. Can you possibly love me that much? And he said, I do. And that was it. I thought, I don't know what to do with it. So Mary Beth McGreevy, who is writing part of this um, study, said she saw me weeping and she said are you okay and I said I don't know I said I am just realizing I am scum and that the Lord could even love scum and she said you are scum ladies (laughs) if you can hear that in the right manner it is the best news ever because it dawned on me I said I I don't have to be good. She said, honey, you can't be good, Mm. you know. And I said, so what do I do? She said, you just go home and get on your knees and you ask the Lord into your life and you repent of your sins. And three hours later, I did that. I went home. I prayed for three hours. My son came in from school. I got up off of my knees. I felt like I had lost 20 pounds. Mm. And by the way, I tried to get up about five or six times and he said no 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 remember that sin uh, and I'd say oh yeah that's right so my husband came home that night and he said uh, so how was your day I said you're not going to believe it I'm a Christian and he said what does that mean I said I don't know but I'm going to find out <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love that so much and I love that uh, Mary Beth was mm-hmm. instrumental in that yes. and that this is the study that we're talking about yeah. it's mm-hmm. just so cool that mm-hmm. uh, those two things would come together and so not to powerful. interrupt but the other thing is I was going to a liberal church and knew I had to find a truth-based church. Mm. And of all places, George Robertson. Wow. You could do worse. So he's my first pastor. Yeah, you could do worse. Wow. Mm -hmm. What I love too, Margie, is that it still brings tears to your eyes. Yes. Yes. I can't help it. So many years later, and it Mm. brings tears to my eyes listening to you tell it. Mm -hmm. And I think you should tell Jenny how much her influence on you has trickled down to influences here in Augusta. Just that it was... She lived in your neighborhood. She was your neighbor. She went walking with you. She invited you to Bible study. And here, that same thing passed on with Sarah. And I just think that's such a cool thing. Yeah. Jenny used to always say, what was that uh, product that you got more and more as you went up? (laughs) Yeah, like a pyramid? Yes. She was always hoping that heaven would be like a pyramid (laughs) because she felt like after (laughs) the invitation to me that I was going, 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 and she was going to get all that credit. That is hilarious. Mm-hmm. That is so funny. But what amazing good news that you could you could hear that I'm scum mm-hmm. and rejoice and, and rejoice. I mean, and we we see that kind of throughout Acts. You see when the Holy Spirit is at work, that the people of God are rejoicing mm-hmm. in the goodness of of that yeah. news. And yeah. so, 
Ah, yeah, that he could beautiful. love scum. That's it. Mm-hmm. Love that's scum. That's silly. Rejoicing yeah. in the scum. It's rejoicing, wow, rejoicing in the because Savior who loves scum. You know? Yeah. yeah. That still loves us. Yeah. That is amazing. Well, essential to both of y'all's stories is God's hand reaching out to save you when you didn't even know you needed to be saved or when you really actively did not want to be saved when right. you hadn't asked for it, when you were running away, when you were dealing with hurt and anger and mm-hmm. resentment towards the Lord that he reached in and, and grabbed a hold of your heart. And we call that redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, redemption is huge. Mm-hmm. How about y'all define redemption? Well, one of the beauties of Margie and I co-leading the Bible study is that we have very different personalities and perspectives on things. So when we uh, approached this question, I came at it with a very practical uh, sense to it. And then Margie is able to apply that better. So I'm going to start by giving you a practical situation to think about redemption. So think about something as simple as a gift certificate or a, a voucher that you receive from somebody. And to redeem that simply means exchanging it for something else of value. So when you apply that to the gospel, think of Jesus Christ as our as our gift certificate. He's our voucher. And we turn in that voucher. He turned it in for us to redeem us for our lives, which is so valuable. God mm-hmm. loved us enough to redeem that mm-hmm. on our behalf. Yes, that's exactly right. And the key of the uh, redemptional work is the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. You know, recognizing as sinners that we can't redeem ourselves. It has to be God himself. And so the fact that he sent his son to specifically die as as the perfect son, perfect lamb, to save sinners like you and me, to redeem us, to give us a relationship back um, at his cost, not our own, is an amazing redemptive story. Mm-hmm. Nothing greater has ever been or ever will be given to us as Christians. Absolutely. And the ramifications of it in our lives and then in our lives as we interact in the lives of other people are just endless. Yeah. And so how would y'all say that understanding what redemption is, what the Lord's done for you, how do you then interact in other people's lives in a redemptive manner? How do you help to bring, in a sense, uh, a knowledge or an experience of the redemption mm-hmm. Christ offers as you interact with other people? Well, for me, I knew right away that it was going to be there was going to be a cost involved. I cannot receive such a beautiful gift without knowing that it's going to be a change in my life. And that change is going to be a cost because it's not about me anymore. And it's about Jesus Christ. It's about other people and how he wants to use me redemptively. Now, one of the big ways is this Bible study. You know, I didn't when I moved here, I didn't know anyone. And so I thought, well, Lord, the easiest way would be for me to knock on a few doors, see if I couldn't get a Bible study started. And through his Holy Spirit, it started. And it's still going today, 15 years later. And uh, I have seen, I've had the blessing of seeing many people either reconnect or be saved through his word. So that is one tool that I can definitely redemptively see in in my life. Um, also of all places, 
uh, my ministry is at the YMCA. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have been able to meet more people that way um, uh, and to invite them to Bible study and to get to know them. Um, there's something that Christ has given me. His love is so overwhelming at, to, at times that it's like, I want to love everybody. I want to love them all to Jesus. So, you know, my personality, I think, is very outgoing. He uses my humor tremendously in drawing people to Bible studies or to come to church or whatever. So that's really been the dominant force um, in my life. I love that so much, mm-hmm. that he would use all of you. Uh-huh. Um, your your personality mm-hmm. and your winsomeness is yeah. amazing to me. What I, what I think when I'm hearing of redemption, I just think about the value, kind of what you were saying, the, the coupon or the voucher, that the value of something is determined by what you'll trade it for. Mm. Right. And um, the fact that the Father traded for us, Jesus yeah. gives us such inherent value. And I think how that looks in my walking around lived out life is that there is no one that I will encounter that's not made in his image that he doesn't deeply love. Mm-hmm. There's no one. And so um, I think that's what redemption and mm-hmm. particularly in the body of Christ. That's why we give we give preference to those who are blood bought because they were Jesus was traded for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know for me personally, it changes my perspective Mm -hmm. on all situations Mm -hmm. and it creates a peace within me personally, knowing that, yes, I am a sinner, but that price has already been paid for me. It just puts into perspective all of the things that we may do on a daily basis. It, It makes us go easier on ourselves. It makes me go easier on myself. And even between each other, it should create peace, like you just said, knowing that God made everyone in his image and and everyone is important. So living at peace with each other mm-hmm. in that sense. I'm in a unique situation right now to be able to speak about suffering with redemption. Yeah, uh, My husband was injured very badly the day after Christmas in a cycling accident. And it's turned our world upside down um, in so many ways. And I tell you this, not for pity, but just to share with you that, you know, when my sister died, I didn't have a strong faith. I didn't understand the gift of redemption at that time. And so I struggled and I suffered through it on my own and it didn't it didn't always turn out well. I'm in a unique position now that I do have a strong faith and I do fully understand and appreciate the story of redemption and just knowing that helps me put into perspective that I cannot outsuffer Christ. Mm through this situation, as bad as it all seems, as upended as our lives are right now, it's nothing in comparison to what Christ has done for each of us on the cross. And especially as we enter the, the Lenten season and as we start to think about Easter and, and, and what Christ did for us, nothing we're experiencing here on this earth can compare We already know the end. We know that we're saved and redeemed. And that ultimately is what carries us through all of the struggles in this life. Sarah, that's Mm -hmm. so well said. Our our suffering will never have the final say. Because the suffering servant has gone before us. 
So that's so, so good. Thank you for saying that, for sharing that. I'm sorry. The other thing that I'm thinking about with Sarah and what she's going through and what many of us um, may have to go through in life, because life here is going to cause us to suffer, the privilege of prayer for our sisters and brothers in Christ as they go through these crises is is so much to the one on the outside mm-hmm. to be able to just pour the love that we have for them and what they're going through to the Lord and to really beg for his mercy, but also know the entire time that his goodness will prevail mm-hmm. is such a wonderful, it's, I just can't tell you how much it has meant for me to pray for Sarah and Cameron and Morgan. Mm. It's such a sweet gift, prayer. That's so beautiful, Margie. It really is, in this, and you're remembering <clears throat> that you're taking her to the Redeemer. Mm-hmm. So when you experience redemption in your life, mm-hmm. you know what that is for Christ to, to love you, to choose you, to create peace in your heart, mm-hmm. peace with him, peace with the Father, um, to suffer alongside of you. And you know those things intimately, and then you want to communicate them to other people. And we could maybe just sort of want to communicate that on our own. But what you realize is, I'm not the Redeemer. You know, I don't offer redemption. I take you to the Redeemer. So, you know, I can see Margie walking into the Y. Like you said, you're so excited. You just want to love them to Jesus. You just, you have that thrill of knowing, I want to take you to the one who redeems you. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you the story. You know, just like Paul, if, if I have a word of encouragement to tell you, mm-hmm. it's not about me. It's not about mm-hmm. you. It's about who Jesus is. And I really am appreciative of y'all coming and telling your stories in mm-hmm. such beautiful ways because we hear mm-hmm. you and we see the beauty of that, but we see Christ and we mm-hmm. see Jesus mm-hmm. and he is our encouragement and really appreciate y'all um, bringing that to us today. No, you're welcome. It's a joy to share. Yes, thank you ladies for being with us today. Listeners, if you want to see the pretty faces of our guests, check out our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women. We'd love for you to join us next week. Take us with you as you walk the dog in the evenings or enjoy an early morning stroll. We'll sit down next week with Kelly House and Chelsea Martin talking about necessary arguments within the church. Should be good. Hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a life surprises the Christian wife she sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of clear shining. To cheer it after the rain